the number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non-published number. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. Welcome to another segment of the UCW Radio Show. This is your host, Lou, a.k.a. Falcon Co. Paris. And I want to thank all of our listeners for your continued support. Without you, we wouldn't have a show, so we do appreciate you tuning in, listening to the stories, the amazing stories of the journeys of our guests. We have some great guests coming on, some some fantastic guests coming down the road. Uh, just stay tuned because we're continuing to add more content to the show and really making this uh, you know, full-blown entertainment for our listeners. Now, in just a little while, we're going to have a special guest on the show, someone that I hold in uh, the highest regards. She is a gold medal winning martial artist. She's an action film star. She's also a mommy. And she is a true survivor. Coming to America with nothing more than the vision of freedom and a few bucks in a pocket. She's none other than Stephanie Chiva McNeil. And if her story, and I'm saying this, if her story does not inspire you to reach for your dreams, then nothing will, especially in the United States. If what you hear from her doesn't inspire you to get up and go reach for the gold and make things happen for yourself, nothing will. Um, I am convinced of that. But before we bring her on the uh, on the show, I need to go over a couple things. Um ultimate body radio we are the official uh, we're hosting uh, for the uh, ultimate body reality show we're doing the ultimate body radio and the ultimate body reality show is the first of its kind it's a bodybuilding reality show and honestly you know you, you look at uh, the biggest loser and then you look at I mean that does some good stuff by the way it does help people to uh, change their lifestyle and you look at other reality shows out there like Big Brother and and all this other stuff and and all these things that you see on VH1 and MTV and so on and so forth. Uh, this is the first reality show of its kind, and it's actually enhancing the lives of the people that are involved. You you are competing to be crowned the next ultimate body, actually the ultimate body. So it's a really interesting concept. You will get into the best shape of your life, and that's what these contest these contestants are doing. Now, this is brought to you uh, from the mind of David Lyons. He's an inspirational guy, fantastic uh, producer. He produced Hog Heaven, the uh, biker series, uh, the animated uh, feature Creepers, and he's smart. What he did, he brought in a reality show uh, expert, for all intents and purposes, in Lauren Alvarez. Now, you may not know the name, but uh, you know the shows, The Osborne, Surreal Life, and really, I don't need to go any further. Those you should know. Now, the premise of the show, you have 13 men, 13 women. They live in a mansion. Free food, vitamins, training, doctors, chiropractors, all this stuff. And you have, a tra I mean, the, the best trainers in the country are going to be there. And they're all competing, as I said earlier, to be crowned the ultimate body. They're also, if you, you know, for those that win, they're also competing for 50 grand. A spread in muscle mag. And the thing is, when you're involved in bodybuilding, you really don't make any money. You lose money. It's a losing proposition as you're competing and everything because it costs you so much food, vitamins, 
training and if you need a uh, a trainer to a strength trainer or uh, someone of that nature is going to cost you a lot of money so uh, yeah this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a lot of people and you have some guest judges which are fantastic you have uh, IFBB bodybuilding Hall of Famer Rich Gaspari Marcia Prince she's an IFBB bikini pro she's a dynamite chick and she uh, her story is inspirational you have uh, natural Mr. Universe Doug Burns again another inspirational guy and uh, you have the host of the whole thing he and he's also the voice of the Mr. Olympia the uh, Bob Chicharello now here goes the bad news that's all the good stuff Jeff some bad news because the final audition to get on the show is on October 17 2009 at Kissimmee Florida this is the last chance that you can try to get on the, sh on the show and the uh, auditions are from 11 to 6 and you can get the uh, application which I do advise you to download it beforehand before you go there just don't show up there with your application your pictures and say okay I'm here because you may say you're here and you may be two blocks down the road in a long line so uh, try to avoid that now the website is the ultimate body TV show dot com so find out more download the application and be a part of history of reality show history and also celebrity boxing we're doing something with celebrity boxing you have um, Chris Gambino, Stephen Baldwin, they actually brought together an event that's going to be happening on Wednesday, February 3rd, 2010 to benefit our, the U.S. troops. And this is going through the, the Stephen Baldwin's Now More Than Ever Fund. And he's doing some great things to try to support the troops. He went on a, a trip to see our troops and it changed his whole view of things. And now he's trying to do great things for the troops and that's fantastic. Now the event you're going to have Chris Gambino versus Stephen Baldwin. Roy Jones Jr. just uh, joined it. And you're going to have a whole list of others that are going to be involved in this fantastic event. And it's taking place in Sunrise, Florida at the over 8,000 seat Bank Atlantic Center. This is a, you don't want to miss this event. This is one of those events that you have to be a part of. You go to MyCelebrityBoxing.com, get additional information, and guess what? We're going to be doing the radio show. So, again, something uh, we'll continue to give you updates on uh, new additions and exactly what's going on. But this is something you definitely want to uh, be involved with. Now, I also need to uh, let out that we did open the doors for sponsorship opportunities. Advertisers, marketers that want to align with the UCW radio show can do so by calling us at 323-952-4369. That's 323-952-4369 or go to our website, ucwmagazine.com and find out how you can get involved. And if you're on Twitter, you can shoot me out uh, your questions or comments for some of our guests that you'll, you know, you just go to our website, you'll see who's going to be on the show. You can shoot us out those comments, questions, and uh, we'll try to pose them to our guests while we have them on the show. Just make the comments or the, actually the questions interesting in the comments as well. Uh, my Twitter name is Luis Velasquez, that's L-O-U-I-S-V-E-L-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. -E -E so follow me and tweet away. Now, without further ado, Liz Patchen, again, she, her, the, she's a martial artist, action film star, but above all, her story. And I know her story, but she, in her own words, she's going to tell her story. And it's the story of living the American dream of inspiration going from nothing not even 
not even able to speak English and building up to, to where she is now. But anyway, she is on hold, so we're going to bring her on the uh, the show. And here is Stephanie Chiva McNeil. Stephanie, it's great to have you on the UCW radio show. I really want to thank you uh, for being uh, with us on the show this morning. It's a pleasure. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's our pleasure to have you here, no doubt about it. Uh, and I say this every show, uh, that we do appreciate the time our guests put aside for us. And that is true because people have their lives going on, especially you. You have, you have some projects that you're working on. You've been busy. I know, uh, this is, uh, You've been trying to come on the show for the past few weeks, but it's hard to do with all the projects you have going on. I just want to give our listeners, um, uh, a bre- a, I guess, a broad stroke overview of, of who you are. You know, you are a martial artist. You are an action uh, movie movie uh, star, movie actress. You are a producer. So yes. you have, a, and then and the mom. I, and, yeah, and I was going to say on top of all that, you are a mommy. You know, and you're. You're married to a great guy, you know, uh, he's a picture taker, you know, but actually he's a professional. And uh, so you have a lot of things going on, but you're also right now, you took a little hiatus from the Hollywood scene. Yeah. Yeah, but before, yeah, yeah, I know you had to, but before we get into what you you have going on now, I I like to start at the beginning because I want our listeners to understand your journey so that they can, uh, they can really get a feel for what you've been through. Now, you, years ago, you got involved in martial arts. That's where we're going to start with the martial arts. How did all that happen? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm making you think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I was nine years old, and um, I was really inspired to to do good and contribute to the world. Even at that young age, I just wanted to be very strong so I can bring justice to the world. I, um, growing up in uh, communist Bulgaria, I witnessed some things that um, disturbed me, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I really wanted to be able to defend myself and those who are weaker and mm-hmm. uh, are being treated um, badly. And so that's what I set out to do in my head. I was like, okay, I'm going to become <clears throat> this ultimate fighting machine and no one would be able to stop me. And, of course, that's that was a hard journey because um, back then uh, – in Bulgaria, you were not allowed to take any form of martial arts unless you were um, you belonged to the military or the police. Oh wow! And um, we had an underground. I actually I started with a book that I somebody sneaked illegally into the country. Okay. And it was called Karate, and I just kind of started learning on my own. And then um, with uh, North Koreans coming into Bulgaria, you know, North Korea was um, communist too at the time and so they were allowed to come and study at um, at the sports academy in Bulgaria and they kind of started this whole um, movement with Taekwondo mm-hmm. and so um, I joined um, training with, with them um, Kim Mung Cho was, was actually the, the one who brought Taekwondo into Bulgaria and um, then at 13, I was a part of the national team. I um, became a national champion. Um, for, for Bulgaria? For Bulgaria, yes. Okay. That's right. 
I was born and raised there, and obviously that's where I started my uh, my sports career. Mm -hmm. And um, from then on, I went on to uh, international championships, and uh, I won 21 gold medals, two silver, and one bronze. And wow. Um, that's pretty much how my journey started. Yeah, that's how it all started over there. And I, I wanted, I wanted our listeners to to hear that from you, and not just from me, because then it'd be boring just hearing everything from me. So, <laughs> but to hear from you, because I think your journey is amazing. You know, you went through, you went through that in Bulgaria, where you know, if you would have been caught trying to train or something like that, it probably would have been a big problem. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. It was it was underground. Um, judo was actually the only sport that was allowed because it was an Olympic sport, mm -hmm. but women were not allowed to participate. So I was the only girl with a bunch of guys, and I, you know, I remember I, I sat at their training. They they actually practiced karate after their judo workouts, but mm -hmm. that was all underground. And and um, I told the instructor, I know that you do karate here as well, and I'm not going to leave, and I'm going to come here every day, and I'm not going to leave until you you let me join and mm -hmm. until you teach me. Right. And so after two weeks of me going there every single day <laughs> and sitting, <laughs> and they just couldn't get rid of me, and so they were like, okay, why don't you just come on in? But you're sworn to not tell anybody. And that went on for for almost a year. Wow. Before Taekwondo eventually made itself. So you have to do everything on the ground and and do that. And you have to you have to actually fight or be persistent just to get to be trained. Yeah, that wow. made it more valuable though. I think that when you are given so many opportunities, it's easier to take them for granted, and that really made uh, me very determined to to succeed and 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 become the best that I could become later. No, without a doubt. I mean, things like that. You know, if, you, if things are brought to you too easily, people take it for granted. But when you have to fight for something, you hold it in a high regard. I, I, I believe that. Absolutely, and, I think so. It worked for me that way anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, so you win. You won all these gold medals, and you became a superstar. And, and, and Taekwondo, you became a superstar in martial arts. And when did you leave? When, when did you get into acting and, and doing that? You know, were you doing modeling as well? Yeah, well, I appreciate the superstar yeah. <laughs> comment. I don't feel like I was, but I, I really strive to become the best that I could, and thank you for that. But um, I, um, you know, when I started winning all the, the gold medals and uh, things like that, I... Um, I got some attention from the press in Bulgaria. Eventually, um, when Taekwondo became an Olympic sport um, in Bulgaria, in Bulgaria prides itself in um, the, the good athletes mm -hmm. that are produced. And actually, later on, there was a, a government program that um, athletes are there just to train and that they get paid. And mm -hmm. again, if you bring gold medals, then you get paid and you know you have an opportunity to train even more and right. it's a full-time job so that is eventually what it became to me um, it was no longer illegal it, I was actually making really good money I was 16 and I was making more money in Bulgaria than my father who's a professor 
Right. And he created robots, you know. Right, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a scientist. <laughs> he's a scientist, yes, and I I, uh, I actually drove a better car than him, and, you know, in Bulgaria you rarely have a car. Right. But at that time, anyway. And um, But I, I had a lot of recognition from the press, and eventually I was approached uh, by different companies about uh, modeling and doing little um, TV shows over there, and... I think ultimately that's how uh, my attention turned into the media. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I always thought of myself, okay, well maybe you know if I um, ever go abroad, then maybe I would just stick with um, action martial arts movies, and that's my niche, and that's what I'll do. But eventually, when I came to the states and I made my first film, I I kind of fell in love with the acting part of it and um, I went to school for two years I went I graduated from uh, Joanne Barron and D.W. Brown okay. and if you know anybody's listening and they have been through the program they know it's like going to the army it's for two years serious <laughs> stuff <laughs> it was I could relate to it you know this is this is my learning style anyway so right. it was well, great yeah, it's like a, this this is a breeze <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I live I live this way <laughs> yep I, I really liked it that way and and so, uh, yeah, that's, so that's see, kind of how it started. But you, you, you studied acting. You, you made it a point to learn your craft because you wanted to learn more about, you know, becoming or actually honing your skills as an actress. But now, you know, you yeah. you went from there. So now you, you're a, you're a multi-gold medalist from Bulgaria. You come to the United States. Well, when did you come to the United States? That's what I didn't ask you. Yeah, that's another well, story what, that's what, kind of bizarre. Yeah, well, you're gonna tell us this bizarre story because that's what we love. No, but we need to. I wanna, I wanna, you know, I want our listeners to really understand your journey because, I, like, I know the story, they don't. So you, you right. yeah, you're gonna tell them, you know, what it is, what it took for you, how it worked out that you left Bulgaria, where you had, where you could actually stood there, and you could have left it, led a comfortable life for a long time. Well, yes and no. In a way, things were changing in Bulgaria. Um, we, you know, communism fell through. There was another government uh, which wasn't that different. It was just a different kind of control. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, um, what happened in Bulgaria is that there was all these mafia groups and one was based in martial arts and another one was the, like the wrestlers group and they were all tied into the government and mm-hmm. pretty much i think what happened in america in the in the was it the 30s or the 60s i now i i'm kind of confused but like all these mafia wars it really it was kind of like living in the movie well that was, in the, was, that was in the, and it was scary well that was in the 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s and 80s and 90s yeah throughout throughout, throughout <laughs> american history actually <laughs> Right, but when it like really started in I don't know, but but anyway. Yeah, and in the twenties, in the twenties, you had a lot of stuff going on, you know, from the days of Al Capone and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's that's kind of what Bulgaria became. It was like those early stages where uh, Bulgaria's territory was divided by these different groups and controlled. They controlled businesses. They controlled politics. They controlled pretty much the money. And my coach was a big part of it and now he is in politics and 
you know, he's a brilliant man, mm-hmm. and I love him, but he, you know, I guess it was a time where he felt like he needed to to either take his pie or everybody else was going to take it away. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure of the reasons, but I definitely didn't want to be a part of it. Right. And pretty much everybody who was um, a part of uh, martial arts and was significant was expected to be involved to a certain capacity. Mm-hmm. And um, but you, I had a you, you would have no choice, but you would have no, you would have no choice but to be involved. Yeah, it was, well, I mean, it, they would make it seem that way, that if you were in Bulgaria, you had no choice but to be involved, and that influenced my choice to actually come to the States, okay. because I definitely didn't want to be a part of it. Um, it I, I didn't agree, there was a lot of trafficking of persons from Russia going on, and um, just uh, you know, well, the funny well, part is that they, all these groups believed that they were doing good. And, right. and the reason why it became kind of an establishment of athletes is because all of a sudden when the communist government failed, um, nobody got paid for training or bringing medals to Bulgaria. That was, that was gone. So now you have all these great athletes, martial artists, wrestlers, boxers, and they, don't have an income anymore like they used to. Right. And they don't have an outlet and they realize they have some influence and power and so they just started doing um crazy things. <laughs> yeah, they started going on that road. But then sometimes, you know, if you're put in a corner you have to make a decision on what you're gonna do. Is either you're gonna do nothing and walk away or even go down that I mean I wouldn't go that that route, but you know, for them they felt a need to do it I guess. Yeah, I, um, you know, it, it was basically a country with um, kind of a hierarchy in the country, mm-hmm. and people saw opportunity to to be in power, and mm-hmm. they took it. I mean, it, it's happened throughout human history, yeah. um, and uh, I may- guess there were entrepreneurs in mm-hmm. <laughs> in a sense, but yeah. uh, choosing really. Um, what I would consider not a right way of doing things. And, um, and so basically that propelled me towards coming to the States, and I came here when I was 20. Oh, and so. in Bulgaria, you're um, of age when you're 18, so I didn't even realize that I would be kind of completely illegal here since I wasn't even of legal age. <laughs> Did you know anyone in the United States at the time? Um, I had one person here, he actually, um, he was a part of the national team and he came here to visit his cousin who worked for the, for the Bulgarian embassy here. Mm -hmm. And he came to visit and he was supposed to come to go back to Bulgaria. But, um, what happened in the meanwhile is that the Bulgarian national team was invited to come and compete in the state in uh, New York, actually, upstate New York, uh, Poconos, I was, I believe it was the area. And so we had no problem getting visas and going on the plane and, uh, a funny story, but I, I had a, a dog since I was six and I brought her with me on the plane and it was just, you know, it was kind of 
um, making a point that I probably don't intend to go back to Okay, <laughs> yeah. Take my dog <laughs> with me. It was really I'll weird that I would bring my dog with me. But, um, but anyway, so that's how we got here. Okay. And then after the championship was over and Bulgarian, the Bulgarian team was triumphant, actually. We, we had a bunch of gold medals and stuff. And, and then I, um, we decided to stay, but we had no idea wh where we're going to stay. You know, it was winter. Um, winter was coming in New York. And as you know, it's, uh, it's kind cold. Tough. It gets cold. It gets cold, <laughs> and I had all the money I had was um, I came here with less than two thousand dollars. I don't remember the exact amount, but I remember it was less than like it was between. Um, I think it was, it was about sixteen hundred dollars. That's all I had. But that's all you had. But you had no job. You had no way of earning a living. Exactly, and no, like very little English. Right. Uh, I knew basic words, and maybe I can put a sentence together, but it was very broken, and, you know, wow. <laughs> it took effort to understand what I was trying to say. Right, and also, right. I couldn't even get a job because I was illegal. You know, I, I had a, a temporary visa, which didn't allow me to work, and uh, we, we had um, a guy named John who... Um, whose son was, you know, was young in the time and was inspiring to compete um, in, in like the kids division at the World Championship, mm -hmm. and, and he was actually really good. But um, John saw how he liked our technique and everything, and and he kind of took us in into his um, under his wing okay. in a way. He he let us stay at his house for about two weeks, um, helped us get an apartment and it was this basement in uh, in Queens mm -hmm. <laughs> it was uh, roaches you know toilets well, you probably sweating. lived in you it was probably Jackson Heights <laughs> there was you know I I now forget the, the exact area but it was it was actually an Italian Italian neighborhood okay which was really really cool we, we like um, I think Italian folks are very cool, but but it was it was tough. Basically, it was it was very cold. We had nothing. We had no beds, really, like our clothes, pretty much, and that was it. And uh, but how did you so earn? How did you beginning, earn? Yeah, no doubt. But how did you earn a living while you were doing that? While you were there? Um. Well, I uh, connected with this top model, and she let me clean her house. Okay. Um, later on, somebody else. I, I we actually joined the martial art uh, school, and um, they wanted us to teach. And it, they kind of had a fitness center too, so it was a job that included um, teaching martial arts, then doing personal training, and all these things. And um, eventually, I also got a job in McDonald's because none of these things were enough to pay the rent right. and to earn. Because you know, they, um, I think people were really nice to us um, in in helping us, mm -hmm. but they also realized that we we're illegal. Um, they took a risk, and 
they paid us under the table. And I'm really ashamed to say that because now that I understand the law and how this country operates, I don't mm-hmm. think that that was the right way to do it. Right. But, you know, again, I was 20. I felt like, you know, I didn't even know how. It wasn't a well-thought plan. It was just a very impulsive adventure mm-hmm. <laughs> that I yeah. took. Yeah. And, and then um, people were paying us. Um, very little. Like well, we would. Of course, make... they're going to take advantage of you because yeah. you know you're illegal. I mean, I mean, I'm saying it. You don't need to, but you know, people they see situations like that and they'll go and they'll say, "Here, here goes thirty dollars. Go clean my whole house." Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I I can remember a time even later on when I moved to LA where I was working um, at a cafe on Third Street Promenade and I earned two dollars and fifty cents an hour. I believe it. I believe that was it. my, um, and it was tough. And you know, working at McDonald's with n- no English <laughs> was, yeah. and they put me at the register because they said, "Oh, you're cute. You go to the register." I'm like, I don't understand this. So it was really hard. I remember the specific case that somebody asked for a napkin, and I, for the world of me, didn't understand what they needed, and I gave them everything else. Like I would pick something and try to see if that was what they wanted and it wasn't and <laughs> the guy was like are you on drugs or something right but, that was and, then, and they probably started yelling stuff. at you and you had to deal with all that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. I, and I can see why the you know the customer would lose their patience but I you know it really wasn't my place to be in the front and I really didn't know what a napkin was yeah, <laughs> so, but, that, but I learned from that day on but, I was like okay that's a napkin but you learned but see you you came and, and I'm just gonna say this I mean it's this is amazing you came you were in Bulgaria where well, you could have went home stood with your family lived that type of life and again you could earn the living but you wouldn't be struggling the way you did when you came here but you came here in pursuit of the American dream yeah, definitely. I think that was um, that was a big part of it. Um, but uh, to be honest, I didn't believe that there was opportunities for me in Bulgaria, mm-hmm. and I would have been dragged into all the mafia wars. I already was in a way, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't comfortable with that. And um, I just I knew I had to make a different choice, and I knew that I. I had to create a different opportunity for myself and coming to the States just happened to be what naturally kind of flowed mm. and um, and yeah. I did it and no, I'm know, definitely you, happy you, that I went through it. If I knew what I was going to go through it right now and I had to make that choice, I probably wouldn't have left Bulgaria. <laughs> right, yeah. But you know something? You know, you saying this, and this is, I want our listeners to hear this, you know, those that are here in the United States, and don't take for granted what you have in front of you because there are people that don't have this in other countries. Yeah. This is the only place that you can go and you can be, you can work at McDonald's and not speak any any a lick of English, and then wind up becoming uh, becoming a, an actress and doing movies and producing and doing all the stuff that you're doing. It's an amazing yeah. journey. It's an amazing journey. This right here is, is exactly what this country is about. Yes, and this was why I wanted to come to, to the States, because I knew that no other country in the world has the same opportunity. You know, I think the United States is definitely not a country for 
where you can um, kind of be lazy about things. Mm-hmm. You uh, you have to be committed and and really go after your dream. Mm-hmm. But then you at least have a chance to accomplish it. Yeah. As uh, opposed to other places in the world. And but you have to work for yeah. it. But you have to work for it. And that's, you did do that. You worked hard for it. Yes, I sure did. <laughs> you know, so, but when you were you, you were in Queens and then you uh, branched out and you, how did you get to L.A.? Um, you know, we decided that the movie industry is, is in L.A. It's definitely a warmer weather, which I always felt that, you know, growing up in Bulgaria, I was frozen enough. So I didn't need New York to freeze me some more. I was like, okay, if we become homeless there, we'll be somewhere warm. So it's not as scary. So we came here not knowing a single person. And I had my dog again. And, you know, it's hard to get a cheap motel with with a dog. Oh, yeah. As as you're traveling? No, there's no doubt. You have maybe, I think the days in is what allows the, uh, the dogs. They have a thing with the dogs. But most... Most hotels, no, you can't. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, honestly, I didn't even know where to go from the airport. The taxi driver was like, "Okay, where to?" And I said, "I don't know. Some che- the cheapest hotel motel you can get me to." And then the cheapest one didn't want to take the dogs, but yet they had like, uh, you know, stains on their sheets and whatnot. I'm like, you know. <laughs> it's not right. My oh. dog is cleaner than you. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a really stinky motel. But um, so you end up in a place in, in a in a in a ratty hotel again, back like the same situation that you were in. But now you're in L.A. and now it's just you and 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 your 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 team, and you guys are you have your little dog, and you're still in the same position. You're in a in a nasty hotel room with you know, probably bugs and all that stuff so you're there now you know you now what do you do from there what did you do well it was actually by that time um my teammates have all gone home they um we had two of them that stayed but they eventually just wanted to go back and it was me and uh another martial arts film star now anton kasabov but we were, you know, we were both a part of the national team and we were the only two that stayed mm-hmm. um, and came to L.A. together. But um, what we, this, this is really, uh, I know I can go into details, but um, we couldn't stay at this hotel eventually because we ran out of money and mm-hmm. we were... We had our suitcase in the shopping cart and on the street this one day and we just were deciding what to do next. Mm -hmm. And I met this really odd, kind of like the mad scientist older man. Mm -hmm. Um, He was, at the time, I think he was 75. Um, He's still alive and well today. And he was... um, his car had um, gotten out of gas and was kind of also smoky. I think his motor had burned or something, his gasket, his head gasket or something like that. And, okay. and he saw my dog and he started talking. And then eventually he said, oh, well, I have a house here and um, you guys are welcome to come. And uh, you can you you don't have to pay me a deposit or anything, just pay monthly. And we had just enough money. 
to pay. Like we had two hundred dollars, and that's what he wanted for a single room. And the house was very broken up, full of junk. And he he was a scientist and mm -hmm. a poet. Okay. He was actually a significant scientist who patented a bunch of things. But his life story is amazing too. But but basically, he he took us under his roof and gave us the opportunity to only have to worry about earning two hundred dollars a month to to pay for mm -hmm. the rent and that was nine ninety six. Okay. In nineteen ninety six. So so from there, um, you know, each one of us was trying to get odd jobs like, you know, waitressing or painting houses or anything like day laborers basically. Right. Um but then we had this idea, um I always wanted to um, I was in awe of Master um, Master Cho. Okay. He, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but of course but I am. Oh, okay. Of well, he also. So he, we went. Um, we took the bus to Pico and okay. Overland, and that's where his school was. And we just went to watch and to just see him in person. We were so fascinated by him. Right. And then eventually he invited us, knowing our story, he invited us into his class and after we participated once, he invited us to teach for him, okay. both me and Anton. And so we started teaching for him. And then eventually um, we uh, applied for a green card. Mm -hmm. We spent all our money to um, with this one lawyer and he ended up just cheating us and closing his office and never we could never find him again. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, that was just an edit. Uh, yeah, edit stress. <laughs> another obstacle. Yeah, but, but I'll say someone like that, and I'm going to say this, you know, someone like that's an attorney that, that, that takes advantage of people that are trying to, you know, legally be here that's a piece of garbage i just need to say that because that 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 bothers me because you you know you you have limited money and there are a lot of people out there that want to be here legally and and they pay an attorney to do something that's to help them you know i think it's horrible that someone did that i hope that he's not an attorney any longer well yeah i hope so too because uh, right you know it's it's when when you're it's discouraging you know when you're really trying to do the right thing mm -hmm. and get legal and and get going and we felt like we had something to offer and we were hard workers and you know and, and it was just so discouraging to to do that and um i mean to go through that and then you know i remember like working literally 23 hours a day and for for like um, three weeks to save up another like a thousand dollars for a car and a Bulgarian person actually sold me the car and mm -hmm. then he died three days later <laughs> wow. it, was, it was just like all these things and we're like okay what are we doing how how would we ever make it and then the the good thing though is that um master Cho really took us under his wings with allowing us to um teach classes and then um we contacted another uh, good attorney, uh, Panina Graf, and, and we got our green cards very easily once we connected with the right lawyer and mm -hmm. Master Cho wrote a letter. And, like, I, I remember having to translate, like, all the newspapers from Bulgaria, all the TV shows, like, everything that we've done and showing our medals and whatnot. And then, and then, um, 
we we got um green cards for for special abilities and mm-hmm. it seemed really easy but you know another thing that happened is that right at that time that we we're about to get green cards the law changed mm-hmm. in America and and uh, anyone who wasn't approved yet had to go back home to wait for the green card there wow and so we had i remember for myself i had a choice to make it was the deadline was in two days and i either had to go home mm-hmm. and wait there but then the bulgarian government would probably even if i had a green card they wouldn't let me leave the country right um or um there was this person who actually offered to um marry me but it was the arranged marriage just so I can stay. Right. And funny enough, you know, I I, I believe in God and I, I believe that he had a great plan. Uh, he still has a great plan. But, you know, I, I happened to open the Bible and there was a passage there that said that marriage is holy and how God views marriage. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't do that. All I right. can't just marry somebody. And I remember being on my knees praying and crying and finally I was in peace and I was like okay you know what God I'm gonna do your will and I'm gonna go back and we'll see what happens Mm -hmm. and then I heard a right at that moment there was a knock on the door and my papers came and I had a green card (laughs) wow wow I know it's pretty amazing that that is an amazing story so I mean that that's see you know what and this this right here is why this country is so great you know, uh, you went through all that struggle and everything because you knew what you wanted. And now you, you go from that struggle, and, and you're still struggling. I mean, you're, 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 you're teaching at Master Joe's um, uh, place in, in Pico. You're doing all that stuff. And now you, now you want to now you, you, you journey into Hollywood. Yes. So I mean, did you, that's why, you, that's why I, wanted, I wanted to have your whole story told here because it's an amazing thing. And before we get into your projects and everything, I want to finish this journey because it's it's amazing to me. So you went there, you got your papers. Now, when did you venture into the Hollywood scene? Well, it kind of happened by coincidence, really, because um, um, Anton actually saw a, a newspaper ad, um, and it said, you know, we're doing this low-budget martial arts film and um, auditions are going to be held at this place, um, come if you know martial arts. So we we went and um, we ended up being cast, did it um, as, well, I, I ended up actually making it into the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my very first role. I had no former training and, you know, no acting experience. I had a very small role. It was mostly action. I had just um a couple of lines and things like that and um and uh, I'm actually trying to remember what the movie was called <laughs> um I remember in a second but then I I um got to meet some people there I I met um TJ Storm Ah Stormy Yes Yes um the, the man that finally called me but then <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> but we, we, we're still trying to, uh, to link up. You know, he's just a busy guy. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. I mean, I. So it was like this is my introduction into the the movie business. I mm-hmm. was told by the director that they actually want to kind of expand my 
my role because um, they said that I had a natural talent and, you know, I was flattered and Storm told me about the acting school I should go to and all that. But really how, I mean, this was, of course, independent, non-union, low-budget film and but how I got into SAG and the union was, again, like really a coincidence because while I was teaching at um, Master Cho, um, somebody who also was a student there was a stuntman and he happened to um, to just overhear a conversation that they needed um, for um, the CBS show. Um, it was called Martial Law and it was mm-hmm. Samuel Hung. Okay. Um, I don't remember. I think it was 98. Um, and it ran for a while, but, but basically they needed a, a girl who can kick really high. Mm-hmm. And I could do that. And then I got. That, that you can. Of, that you can. <laughs> yes, that I can. And so, and I, I remember, um, I went to an audition. It was Mary Tianka. Mary Tianka was the stunt coordinator. And, uh, and Tsuyoshi, um, one of the stunt guys were there and, um, and, um, you know, they auditioned me and they said, okay, well, can you do a front kick? And I kind of, I jumped, like I did a jumping spinning front kick because I thought I would impress them better. And they're like, okay, she can do it. So go to wardrobe. And that was my, that was my, that was my start. That's you know, just, go to wardrobe, cool. and I, I was, I couldn't believe it. I, I got kind of tasked hardly into, into the union. But then, you know, you, I mean, an opportunity came up because it was your time. You know, you have to sometimes, and I, and I had this conversation with someone earlier uh, today that sometimes you have to go through the rough times and go and have the bumps in the road to really appreciate what you end up with, and in your case. You went through really rough times, really rough times. It would have been easy for you to go back home, but you stood the course and you stood fighting to, for what you wanted and reaching for that for that gold ring, not the brass ring, but the gold ring. You were reaching out for it, and you didn't let anything stand in your way, even though you faced uh, the possibility of of never being able to come back here. Yeah, I I mean, mm-hmm. I think that that's. Um that's what I learned through martial arts is aim at the highest, mm-hmm. like the almost the unobtainable thing. Because I think my my goal was really crazy when you think about it. I wanted to become the best martial artist there is, there ever was on the planet. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. like, okay, well, you know, if you reach for that, then maybe you just reach the highest you can become. And if you reach for a ridiculous goal like that, like I remember also when I became an actress, my goal was to win an Oscar. Mm -hmm. And again, I was very young and I reached for that goal and I think I became a pretty decent actress. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think that my goals are changed now because I'm more mature and I, and I, it's not that I'm backing off or whatever, but I, I have a different perspective now. And, um, you know, I think as long as, as you do your best, mm-hmm. then you're doing good. Right. Well, look, you went through a lot of stuff, and you've, you know, you went, you've, you've taken a journey that most people would have given up, you know, maybe it's one or two years into it, but you stood with it. And you went, you went, uh, you became a, a stunt person. You went 
and you were doing, uh, you went to acting uh, school, and you went to an intense thing for a couple of years doing that, and now, you know, we're at the point that now you've made some movies, you've done stuff, and now you're in a position that, you know, it's it's incredible, but you're in a position now that now you're making more movies, and you're not only uh, in, in the action part of it, you're not only in the acting part of it, but you're also producing it. Producing right. films. Now, who would have thought in 96 that you would be doing that today? Yeah, not me, for right. sure. I wouldn't right. have thought. Right, and you, you, you got, you got uh, as we talked about earlier, you're, you're a mommy, you have uh, beautiful children, you got a, a good husband by your side. So, yeah, you're, you're living the American dream in a lot of different ways. Yes, I'm... I'm very grateful, you know, every day I wake up and I just thank God because I really, I, I, I feel blessed and fortunate and there, I've been surrounded by good people mm-hmm. um, on this journey and somehow, um, again, God made a way. When, when I didn't see a way, there still was a way. Sure. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm mostly grateful for my kids and, and my, and my husband and, and just um, everything else is an added benefit. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I'm like every morning when I wake up, I'm like, I hope this is not going to end soon. You know, because there's a part of me that is almost not comfortable being comfortable. Mm-hmm. I've always been through struggles and that kind of has become my way of living. Right. So have, to be just comfortable is... It's just feeling odd. <laughs> yeah, because now you can actually relax a little bit, and you don't know what it is to do that. It's yeah. It's it's. I think it's um, the first time I'm actually doing things out of in, being inspired and out of fear. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm not desperate for anything really. I'm I'm not in a position that I'm asking for anything. I am pretty much doing things because I either believe in them or I'm inspired to do them, mm-hmm. I love to do them, that kind of thing. Well, then, you know what, you're, you're fortunate and again, you know, I commend you on on uh, your journey because it's, it's, your journey has been an amazing one, you know, and, and you and I know each other for some time um, <laughs> and it's just, it's just, it's amazing. It's like I know certain things that happened, but now having you on the show and going through it from beginning to end is like wow wow you know um and this is a wow factor and again you know yeah you you this is real this is not a dream this is real so for you and your your life is just going to get better and better and and the beauty of it is that you this is going to trickle down to your children cuz they they they're going to know your story and they're going to know, yeah, we're going to keep fighting for all the things that we want in this world because the world is ours. To be anything yeah, we want to be without stopping. But, of course, they, they, it's not a hope they, they're going to be like that because you went through it. So they have to learn. And they, they, they see it. And you know, kids learn from you know, through example. Not words, but actions. They and, do. You're absolutely right, actually. You know, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it would be a part of them. Yeah, because what you are, your kids definitely get, and then they add extra 
of their own personality and their own experience. But I definitely think that whatever the parents are, the, the kids definitely absorb that. Yeah, without a doubt. Good or bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Without a doubt. That's what happens. So now it brings us to this point that now you're working on some new projects. And, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about those projects because, you know, um, I want our listeners to really understand that you went through the, all this struggle. And now you're producing movies. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's fantastic. So talk about, let's talk about your projects. You have one called Quickfire. Why don't you yes, give us the rundown on that? That's the most current one. Yeah. That's the most current one? That's the one that is actually um, happening, and it's it's in production right now. Okay, so um, so so be, let, let's leave Quick Fire for a second. Let's talk about Black Cobra because that's uh, a okay. little further down the road. Yeah, Black Black Cobra um, came about as uh, under the working title on IMDb. You can look it up, but it's um, called When the Cobra Strikes. That was based on a novel that uh, Sabati Mafate wrote and um he um he saw me at um I think it was Dragon Fest. I don't know if you remember Dragon Fest. But oh with Gerald uh, Akamura, right? Akamura, yes. Right, right. And and um wow, that's, that's, that's a while ago. That's a while ago. It was a while ago, yes. He um Sabati was trying to it was like an action adventure um story that was based in um South Africa, um, LA and Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And so um you know things again came together. I um I had just had my son right. when Sabati approached me with this novel and said, "Hey, I um I want you to play this part in it." Um it was called Shihan Chris and um it was this role for me, and he almost made the movie, but then um, ended up losing funding. And then um, I had a very good friend of mine that uh, we were best friends, and we were roommates even. And um, she's an actress herself, but then she was able to get us funding and became a producer as well. Um, nice. and, and this movie just kind of took off on its own and, and happened. And um, I think it's um, a very entertaining uh, international story with um, great value to it and great action. We had um, great people working um, just because they were good friends or they believed in the project. Mm-hmm. And uh, now um, the project has made it all the way to Sony. <laughs> Oh, and nice, nice. We can't believe that because it started as a joke, literally. I mm-hmm. I never knew that, you know, just, I just had had my son and right. I, he actually was with me on set the whole time, <laughs> producing with me. Right. Uh, it was just a ridiculous way of doing a movie. and But again, somehow it worked out and, and, and now we have, um, um, you know, Kami Asgar's team who... They were uh, nominated for an Oscar for sound for uh, Apocalypto, Passion of the Christ. They're mm-hmm. doing all the big movies like Zombieland and Quarantine and like a bunch of them. Right. And so they're actually doing finishing the post-production for us. Nice. And then uh, the Sony Acquisition Department has expressed interest to uh, 
to to buy it. Look at that. And that's not a, a small thing for a first time producer. No, that that's, <laughs> that's... first time producer, first time director. You know. But that, that, I think that's amazing. Congratulations on that. And I and I, I think that's awesome because we had uh, you know Phil Morris, so we had him on the show. You know, and, and you know, we know each other for a little bit, and he was talking about a similar thing like with you. That uh, Michael J. White had he had an independent production that he wanted to put together, and I think it was I forget I forget the name of it. I think it was Black something other. I forget. Um, I don't have the name in front of me, but it was a movie they were working on. So they uh, they all got together, a bunch of actors. They go and they made the movie on a almost zero budget, and now Sony just picked it up. Wow! And now it's going to be a multi-million dollar project. Just like you, and and, yeah. and and but he but he goes the amazing thing, Steph. Again, you went from almost being ho actually you were homeless at one point. Well, for for a a day. Yeah, a day, a year. <laughs> we actually was watching not to spend the night on the street, but we were definitely thinking that it may happen. Right. So, us. but you you want you were at that point, and now this movie gets done. And and it it, it 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 will get acquired by Sony. You you don't have to say anything. I'm telling you, it'll get acquired by Sony. So now, now you now you you made it to a point that most people would never think about making it to. And you just you're just starting to actually open up uh, back in Hollywood. Yeah, because you know it. It's funny how things have happened. Like I, mm -hmm. for a while, um, my last project actually before I became pregnant was Miss Congeniality Two. Okay. And then I was pregnant, and all of a sudden, after Miss Congeniality Two, I got all these offers. I was three months pregnant, and the phone was ringing off the hook. And I've been chasing people for you know for years to for different things, and now. It all was paying off, yeah. and I couldn't do any of it because I was pregnant. And so this movie came along, and I thought, okay, well, I can produce it, and maybe I can be in it. So so I was in it, and then when um, – actually, I didn't know this, but during the shoot when I was um, shooting my fight scene, um, I – that day I conceived my daughter. That was so ridiculous to me that that happened. Wow. <laughs> um, so I was pregnant throughout the filming, but I didn't even know it yet. And then, you know, now that I have a new baby, I um, quick fire kind of fell into my lap because I, I got a call from Sunny Seasong and mm -hmm. he was like, you know, there's a movie here and uh, I'm doing some of the choreography. Great mm -hmm. director. He needs a lead actress, and it's a like a, a born identity kind of thing, right. and but a girl. So Jason Bourne, but a girl. But but so like, let me oh let me say so so every time you were pregnant, good things happened. Good things happened, I know, and uh, you know right. this whole attachment parenting style that my kids are always with me, and I you know I was so ridiculous going into meetings with all these people and distributors and whatnot and. The kids were with me. There's, <laughs> nothing, there's and, nothing wrong with you know, that. It was. It's just I don't think that people expected it, but somehow it works. Some, mm -hmm. Somehow my kids just kind of know how to behave at meetings now, and right. and and I think it's a good experience for them because they get to see firsthand. It's like a, the best field trip ever. Cause, 
they get to see me work. But yeah, they see so anyway, action. So they see mommy in action. They see mommy doing stuff and getting things done. Oh to yes. Oh, my son was thoroughly impressed <laughs> by me. <laughs> uh, how old's your my son now? My mommy's a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> how old's your son now? He's four and a half, and oh. my daughter is eighteen months. Oh wow! So they're, they're three three years apart almost to the day. Wow, yeah, that, that's 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 awesome though. You have uh, your, your kids going with you, and they see this stuff, and that's stuff they'll never forget. Yeah, I think that uh, Zion has been uh, thoroughly inspired to to do some things. He was he was a little bit scared of Storm at one point because he was like, "That's the guy who fights with mommy." Because we had a scene together. <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah, Storm is a scary guy when you see him. Though. <laughs> Then they made up. He gave him a little toy, and ever since, I just has good feelings about him now. He, did he give him a Mortal Kombat toy? <laughs> no. <laughs> he actually gave him a candy fan, and my son oh. was definitely much happier with the candy fan because we don't really do TV much, so right. so uh, he wouldn't even appreciate the Mortal Kombat. I, I don't think he is, he knows about. No, it. no. I was I thought I was saying a joke because because of Stormy. <laughs> Oh, of course. No, you would expect that of him, right? I would expect yeah. that of him, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, but that's no, that that's that's fantastic stuff because you know now, you know you're 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 in another project where you know Black Cobra gets picked up. You get you get your distribution. I mean, uh, obviously it's going to be in movie theaters. Well, you know, it's up to Sony what they're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they would have a limited theatrical distribution or maybe overseas. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's for sure a good thing, you know, to be picked up by Sony is not a bad thing, for mm. sure. Because, you know, um, based on that, I was able not only to get um, one of the lead roles in Quickfire, but also now produce Quickfire. Because um, I met with um, Rico Laurie, the director, and... Um, his producing partner, um, mm -hmm. John Edwards, and they were great guys. We hit it off right away, but based on my credit with Black Cobra, I was able to um, become a part of the production team. Now, so I'm, I'm a producer on it too, and nice. and um, I think um, it's a really uh, it, it's going to be a good movie, very entertaining. Mm -hmm. um, it uh, it will have great action. Um, you know, there's cars chasing, helicopters, fight scenes, guns, the audience expects out of action. But I, I think I saw a clip. You sent me a clip of it, I believe. And um, it, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty interesting. See, because you know, this is, as you said earlier, this is the, uh, the born identity, but the, but the, uh, the female version... So, so you have all that action and all that suspense and all the intrigue and all the, I mean, uh, the government doing this and all this stuff happening, and then the 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 fight scenes, because of your talent, is top notch. Because you know, a lot of a lot of people that see, all right, well, they see someone that's a martial artist and say, okay, they'll be a good movie star, but that's not the case. Real martial arts fighting is different than movie martial arts fighting. Absolutely. Big difference, you know. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, Christine Bannon Rodriguez when she came on the show, she she went through the whole thing, and she's it's just different. You can't go and, and take the principles 
Uh, I mean, the athleticism is one thing. You can't take the principles of martial arts and bring it to uh, doing a, a movie because you, you, there's a different way of fighting. Yes, exactly. I think, I mean, you see a real fight and um, even the best, you know, there's a lot of just watching the fight before something really exciting happens and then you get a knockdown and that's it, you know, kind of thing. A lot of the times that's what happens to where you can't just put this in the movie because it simply takes a long time and the audience may be you know, waiting for the punchline (laughs) for too long. (laughs) Yeah, because you're telling a story. Even when you're fighting, you're telling a story. Exactly. Exactly. So, with I mean, with this film, I think that the goal would be to still keep the fighting very, very realistic. But mm-hmm. um, just of course, since it's a film, you, you're um, you have the opportunity to to add more excitement and like visual sure. entertaining. Use your creativity. Yeah, use your creativity to make it even better. Because at the end of the day, you know, you want to make the film it's a representation of you because even even though you're on the production side you're also you're getting your hands dirty because you're 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 acting in it and you're doing other things and you you mean you'll even work the lighting if you have to just to make the project work yeah as long as i knew how to work the lighting unfortunately i have no skills (laughs) Uh, i I would burn myself (laughs) i know know that i know i was just making a joke no no i would burn myself no doubt but those lights no those things those things get hot (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we do i mean being a producer, you wear so many hats. It's um, you're going over the script, uh, suggesting rewrites, making sure that the script is tight. You know, getting together talent, being there with the casting director, being. I mean, I've been anything from, you know, helping, um, helping the set designer with breakaway glass and whatnot. You know, to being the craft service. Uh, you do. You help out wherever there's lack or people get confused, you know, you, you just you just help out whatever you can. But um, I wanted to mention, you know, that um, the action is going to be just so important in this movie. Um, and, and I think that the audience would have a chance to enjoy it even more and, and feel like they're really a part of it because we're shooting it in 3D. In 3D? Yeah, which is a new thing that nice. happens now and. I think it's going to, you know, it's just going to put you right there between the characters being in the midst of it all. And yeah, wow. That, that, that's going to yeah. be interesting. I think that, uh, I yeah. think it would, it would be really great. Because, yeah. you, I mean, you have the option to view it regularly, but also mm-hmm. 3D. And um, I think this is becoming big overseas, too, the, the 3D. Technology. Action. Technology is advancing, so you have to advance filmmaking to make it more yeah. entertaining for people. Now, now, what's your role in Quickfire? What what role are you taking on? Well, I am uh, playing Ina, who is, um, she works for uh, European Intelligence, mm-hmm. and she has gotten her hands on some very vital information, and obviously... Um, it just crosses her conscience to a level that um, she decides to to stay on the side of humanity rather than on the side of intelligence, as mm-hmm. she was sworn to be. But mm-hmm. she basically uh, takes the file; they're encrypted into a tiny micro disc, and she um, carries the disc in her eye, like um, it's it's within the form of um, like a lens. Oh wow that she has in her eye and that's how vital the information is and 
basically she's getting pursued um, by all these agents and as a final resort she um, she goes to an ex-operative um, who has become a mom and her daughter has um, has been born blind due to our torture she endured mm -hmm. when she was pregnant and now she's basically living under a new identity, new life with her daughter. And basically, I crash into her house and say, you must help me. You're the only one um, who can help decode this. Because what the information that I have mm -hmm. um, is also encrypted. In, it's called quantum encryption. And I can decode um, the most important part of it. Mm -hmm. And so, and but that's her specialty. So I need her to help me. And, you know, of course, she doesn't want to play at first, but I convince her. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we go on this journey, and her daughter gets kidnapped um, by the other agents and all this things unfold. But it, it's a happy ending in the end. So. But it's, it sounds interesting. It really sounds like it's going to be a great movie. You know, this is... And this is you producing it and everything, so yeah, it's you can you can have a blockbuster. Yes, I think it's gonna. It's, I mean, three D. Want to see this? Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty innovative. But I, that's where the industry is going, and we want to be ahead of time. You know. Mm -hmm. And you, you have Sony pick that up too, and then you have your your big red carpet event, and hopefully you invite your friend, and then I'll go there. <laughs> oh, of course, my goodness. You will totally be there. I have yeah. more in my, you know, I, I actually, um, I have three other films that I'm really passionate about, and they're uh, they're also kind of action-y, but refer to a different theme. And mm -hmm. one, I um, there's a possibility that uh, Jason Connery uh, may direct. He already yeah. wants to direct it. We've had a meeting. He loves it. Oh, good. Um, and Jason Connery, that's Sean Connery's son, right? That's right. right. That's right. He actually just directed um, uh, the Cuba Gooding Jr. film, uh, Devil's Tom, okay. I think uh -huh. it was called, Devil's Tom, and he's doing really well, and he's a really a great professional, such great insight, yeah. and um, he's agreed to do Major, and Major is um, the story, it's, it's actually a multi-million dollar project, mm -hmm. um, it, it's a period piece, um, talks about uh, Major Taylor, who was a cyclist in the turn of the century when, you know, he was black. And mm -hmm. we all know what that entailed Yeah. at that time. And while his family was being lynched, he actually never gave up and became an absolute champion cyclist, um, entered over 100 races, never lost one. Hmm. And, you know, being black, he couldn't even get into the races, but he had a, a white person who managed him and helped him, and he became a huge international star, And mm. but always chose to return here to the States and continue on this journey. And I was really inspired by, by his story, and mm -hmm. I think it's not well known. And I actually wonder how, how people... Uh, like how other people didn't um, get to this first and made it into a movie because I think it's an Oscar winner uh, mm. for sure. And look, you and know, then you may, you may, you may, uh, you may go and realize your dream after all. You know, think about it. I know. I was thinking about it. What you know? How ironic that. Yeah. Um, but this is a project that I really believe in, and whether it wins an Oscar or not, I just want it out there because I think it's really 
it's a it's a true story so you know it's really it really happened someone actually stood by what they believed to be right and true and you know his um his motto was i would never let a man put me down by making him hate him mm-hmm. so he was basically he tried to be um a man who um represented to the best of his abilities what what integrity is about what love is about mm-hmm. he he believed in Jesus too, and he was like, "I wanna, I, I, I would not retaliate. I would retaliate. The only way that I would retaliate is through my spirit of love and determination mm-hmm. to win every race and to prove that it doesn't, you know, color doesn't really matter. We're we're people." And and he became very wealthy and bought a house in a white neighborhood, which is out, you know, at the time was outrageous. Right. Um, but then, you know, he died poor and all that, but he never gave up and he never, um, went to, to a low point where he hurt somebody, uh, or he hated people for what they believed in. Right. Well, it sounds like an inspirational story. It's important that the story is told. Yeah. But it sounds like an inspirational story, no doubt about it. You know, um, wow, I mean, that, that's, that's very, that sounds very inspirational, but stuff like that, you know, touches people's hearts because they can relate or understand. Yeah, and I think it's a lesson for all of us because, you know, I, I think daily we, we do have people who are easier for us to love and some who are not as easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if someone like Major Taylor was able to, to deal with people who lynched his family and were trying to kill him and put him down every step of the way, and then he still would keep his integrity and his oh, man. Look, look at yourself. Love. <laughs> look it was at, amazing. But look I, at, look I at yourself. No, but look at yourself. Well, you, look at what you went through. You could have easily been bitter about your situation. You could have easily, you know, felt a certain way about the people that, you know, that, that were doing... Uh, taking advantage of, of of you guys when you were there. A lot of things you could have did that you could have held a lot of heaviness in your heart, but you didn't. You just went forward and that's it. You know what? It's yeah. funny. I, I thank you for that credit, but I really think I didn't have time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have time to stay and ponder on the bad things because I had to survive. Right. But then you know what? That's a good way to, to look at the to look at stuff because you can't you don't want to sit and worry about the bad things. Just keep moving forward. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep keep moving. And now look at we look where you're headed. You have these these great productions coming out. You have this fantastic stuff going on. You have a fantastic family. Yeah, you you are making it where you want to be, you know, and they're, they're going to write books about you. I know that. I know that. Oh. I'm telling you that right now that they will. I'm telling you because your, your, your life story right there is a movie within itself. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's true. It's true. Wait, watch what's going to Mark my words and I'm telling you now. And, and, and I'm telling you, in the next few years, I'm going to go to you. I'm going to knock on your door. I'm going to talk to your hubby. I'm going to say, listen to this, and I'm going to play the show. I'm going to say, I told you. Yeah, watch, watch, watch what's gonna happen. So now with the with the uh, with the movies, do you have um, are there websites associated with all the movies? Uh, yes, uh, we have a website that's on for Quickfire, and it's www.quickfire3d, which is Quickfire the number three, mm-hmm. and then d at the end dot com. Okay. Uh, and people can go and check it out. There's um, you know we just actually started um 
the production three weeks ago when mm -hmm. we first talked with you and I talked and, right. and we shot a, a, a teaser. Yeah. I Boy, saw it. Actually, you, you guys, you, you did a lot of, within within a couple of weeks, you put together a nice teaser on it. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we kind of are doing it backwards <laughs> a right. little bit um, because that was a way for us to secure funding. Mm -hmm. Usually you make your movie and then you, you, you make a trailer out of it, but that's why we call this a teaser because it, it, it was meant strictly for investors. Mm -hmm to know what the, to kind of have a visual of what the idea was and now we're securing some funds already in uh, some, from some European investors since we're going to shoot it in Europe actually and oh, um, you Well you know, I, I tell you this much, any any investors out there, any people that are looking to invest in films um, and if they see what you have lined up and if they were, in, they were interested or they were thinking about backing you on stuff they should actually, you know, smarten up and align with you now, because I'm, I, and I'm saying this on this show that I know, and this is me being unbiased. I know that I give this, you know, your black cobra gets picked up. They, they're not going to be able to invest in your films later on. They're not going to be able to afford it. <laughs> yeah, they're I not. appreciate. It. I, I, yeah, I think we're headed there. I think that. Um, the Black Cobra investor, we had one major investor, um, he is... He's a happy guy. <laughs> yeah, he is uh, definitely a happy guy. He's going to be even happier very soon yeah. because, uh, you know, he's, he owns a significant part of the point. So oh, nice. it's really, he's going to have a, a huge payoff. Well, let me tell you something. It, it's nice because ultimately that's what we want to do with investors is that we we want people to make their money and then some and then they can reinvest and we can all do bigger and better things I um, in fact I have two more films that are in development that just recently came to me again as a result of, of quick fire this time right. everything just happened so quickly and funny how I'm not chasing anybody and these things kind of keep coming to me yeah. which is wait wait until wait until you have another kid you'll probably win an Oscar at that point I don't know <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. You, be, you, you watch out. Yeah, you <laughs> watch that happen. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I know. We uh, we're not planning for another kid, but not against it either. Yeah. You know, if if, it's a blessing. if that happens and that happens, but yeah. but speaking of kids, that's what kind of my um, other films are about. I um, I work with a few organizations, but uh, primarily with one called Love146, and they have um, a website, uh, love146.org, mm -hmm. and um, it's basically raising awareness on the problem of child trafficking, Okay. which is a huge problem because, you know, every minute two kids get, get trafficked, and they're sold. Is, it, is, is, that, is that a fact, every two minutes? That is a fact. Oh my that gosh. is a fact. Globally, every two minutes, and we're just talking about sex trafficking, and we're talking oh. about babies from four months old to eighteen years old, boys, girls, you know, anything goes. Oh and uh, I learned to, uh, yeah, it, it was when I first learned about this and what was done to kids oh that God. age. I uh, could not sleep for a long time, and then yeah. I was like, I have to do something about it. So. I affiliated myself with uh, this organization and have been helping, um, you know, kind of put an end to it. And the thing is, it's, um, 
I, I've been committed to providing solutions to child trafficking, and, mm -hmm. and it doesn't take as much as people would think to mm -hmm. end it. It's just, but I think it's disgusting uh, what 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 they do. And you know me when it comes to kids, you know I'm just you know that stuff like that bothers me. Yeah, you know, and, and I remember. I mean, that's how we first met, right? Yeah. Karate kids. Yeah, exactly. You know, Online. And, you know, so yeah, I mean that you, you're doing a great thing with that. You're doing a great yeah. thing with that. And we we actually were doing two films. Um, I was recently all offered two scripts and uh. And um, the president of uh, Released Entertainment, David Lockhart, was um, we kind of are co collaborating on this. Mm -hmm. One uh, one of the films um, could be made for a lower budget, and it's called Pure. And the other one is um, kind of a bigger budget film uh, called Gods and Oceans. Mm -hmm. And basically, what we and we want to do a documentary too, and and just. You know, help people understand that it doesn't take that much to end mm -hmm. sex trafficking of children. It some of them get sold for sixteen dollars. Sixteen dollars. The organization that I worked with was able to buy some back for like between twenty-four dollars and three hundred dollars. Yep. And then the, you know, the hard part is caring for these kids until they're they reach adulthood. But oh again, it takes it takes a dollar a day. To um, give them food, water, education, medical care, um, clothing, mm -hmm. and just empower the next generation to not repeat the mistakes of the previous one. Yeah, I mean that something like that has poverty. Something and, uh, like that has to stop because you know what they do to these kids. I can just I don't even want to think about it because it's going to bother me. It, yeah. You know, but I'm sure it's like, you know, it can be anything from A to Z, and uh, I think that's horrible, you know, so, but yeah, you know, any, anything that, that we can do to help uh, the on the UCW radio show, you know, you just have, uh, you can, I mean, you're, you have a, you know, you have an open door here, Steph, you know that, you know, but even the organizers, maybe we can get them on the, um, on the show and talk about this, because I think this right here is a major issue. Thank you for that. I think, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, maybe linking the website, love146.org, and just getting people aware of the problem, and um, maybe we can have a bigger presentation. But, um, you know, for me, um, beyond movie making and everything else, this has become passion number one. Mm -hmm. Because being a mom and thinking, okay, if one of my children were abducted today or sold or whatever, and I knew what I know and what what these adults do to the these kids that are three, four, five years old, mm -hmm. you know. What would what wouldn't I do to get to my kid? Exactly. What what would I be doing today? You know? Yeah, I wouldn't be making movies for sure. I wouldn't care about Oscars. I wouldn't care about I wouldn't it care wouldn't about anything. Matter. I would just be be going nuts, sure. knocking at the president's door or somebody, you know, to, to, to stop it. And um, and I think, you know, these sleepless nights, just putting myself in in that position, just feeling it in my heart and my mind absolutely drove me nuts. And I was like, okay, I can't just be going nuts. I just have to, I need to do something about it and we can stop this. Mm -hmm. And the people are the ones that are going to stop it. The governments have too many other things to worry about. Mm -hmm. 
it's the power of the people yeah. that can really do something about it. And again, I think if 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 10% of the American population adapted one kid, and adapted means we we have three kids that we pay $30 a month mm-hmm. to actually get them education and all that so they don't have to be sold, so they don't have to starve to death, so they don't have to be become victims of traffickers. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I, I think really um, films that I do are just like a platform for me to actually do what really matters, which is saving those kids. Right. And any, I, I already have talked to my husband. He's totally on board with me about this, that, you know, whatever we make, the, the resources that we have, the opportunities that we have, even this radio show that mm-hmm. right now I'm very privileged to be a part of, it's this is our grand purpose is to just help and do anything that's within our power to stop mm-hmm. this um, horrific <laughs> trafficking. And, um, and, you know, I have to just say that I appreciate you and all you do and, and um, the credits that you have even given me. I appreciate so much. Um, These are all things that it's not me just uh, you know rubbing your head and saying, "Oh, great job." It's these, this is reality. This this is the stuff that you actually went through and you've done. And now, amongst all that, you could sit there and say, "Okay, I'm making these movies. Somebody's going to pick this up. I got this. I got funders, and you have all this stuff going on, and all this positive stuff going on, and you can just stay with that and and keep tunnel vision on and not worry about." Uh, the child trafficking, not worry about things like that. But for you, that became something close to your heart. So now, all these things you're doing become vehicles to get you to help to stop that from happening. Yes, exactly. The higher you get, the the more power you have that you can invoke change. Yes. Yes, and that's exactly my my purpose is mm-hmm. if I get any platform that I can speak out, then this is what I want to talk about mm-hmm. about these kids and how we can help them and and you know with um like i I think you know what I said previously, things tend to come easy to me and like kind of drop in my lap because I'm not desperate, but a big part of not being desperate is because I have a fabulous husband who mm-hmm. is a man enough to support his family and really he goes out of his way. He works very hard so that I can, I, I actually chose to st- to be a stay at home mom, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I do my producing and everything while I'm a mom. But, you know, if it wasn't for him, I would be desperate to be working and mm-hmm. who knows if I would even had freed that space in my mind to invite the opportunities to come to me wow. and to to be able to extend into producing and and all that. So I really am very grateful for my husband that I don't have to worry about, you know, necessarily bringing the dough every month, you know, yeah, even well, though I believe that that's with good. these films eventually that would happen too. But yeah. But you know, something is good that he shows us support and, uh, and you can see how happy you guys are. And that's fantastic. Especially if you, if he shares your, your vision for invoking change. And I think that you know, again, with with um, with the tr- with the, the child trafficking, all that stuff, we're gonna have a, another show on that. 
because that that's going to take you know we continue to go into that will be the shows in extent far beyond uh what we uh what we have time for but what I want to do if we can do this cuz I find this interesting if we can go and uh have you on again stuff and and bring on uh one of the organizers for that organization and let's talk about this we we're going to we're going to have a show just about this I would appreciate it. Let, let's let's, let's what do that. Imagine. Yeah, definitely. Let let's do that because I think that uh, that'll be interesting. We'll we'll line that up when the show's over. We'll figure all that out, uh, and that way we can get that stuff done. Now, uh, since we're kind of running low on time, now you have Quickfire. That's Quickfire3D.com. That's the website for that. Does Black Cobra have a website? You know, it. We used to have one, but we've given now to um, to Sony. Sony right now, right. and they're gonna do all the promotions for it, okay. and and so we're kind of staying out of it. Okay, um, well, I don't blame you. You let them do the yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll do a better job anyway, and yeah. it's in their hands, and and we're just excited to see what uh, what they'll bring and how they'll make it cool. they'll make the marketing and everything That's when cool. it's time but now the most important thing is i think to just really wrap up the the post-production um period which would probably happen in about a month okay and then we'll see this thing out there probably uh probably springtime maybe yeah if people yeah. want to keep track uh, they can go to imdb mm-hmm. and it's under um the working title of when the cobra strikes when Which the was co- the original uh, novel. Oh, when the Cobra Strikes. Oof. When, when the, the Cobra Strikes, All right, yes. good. And they can probably go to your IMBD page as well and, and pull that up. Yeah, they can go to Stephanie Chivo on IMDb, and um, and it, I'm sure it will be, um, you know, it, it would be current, yeah. and, and they would be able to follow up what happens with the movie. Right. And uh, when once there is an official website and promotion for it, it would definitely be linked to IMDb. Yeah, and Sony will take care of all that stuff. You know, I think they can afford a website or two. Oh yes. <laughs> or three. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, yes. Steph. You know, it, it was great having you on the show. I mean, this is um, the story of your journey is amazing, and what you're doing now is even more amazing. Um, but yeah, we are going to have you back on, and I promise you that you and one of the organizers for the um, the child trafficking uh, site. Well, what's that site again? Is that Love One One Four Six? Was it Love One Forty Six dot org? dot org. Well, Love One Forty Six dot org. Uh, anyone that's listening to the show, you know, support this cause and uh, try to stop something horrible like this from happening. Because trust me, I know this stuff. I know how you are. If you had a mansion with 40 acres, you probably have uh, 300 kids living in your house. Yeah, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have that mansion because, you know, with with the money for that mansion, you could buy a village there. <laughs> yeah, well, you, more buy, and well you, you buy a village, you create a little village there. and get everybody there, you know. But, you know, it's, so that that's definitely something... Um, that uh, that that has to stop that trafficking of children. I think that's uh, sickening to me. But uh, yeah, so we uh, so we will have you on, and we'll we'll go over all that stuff. You know, I look forward to uh, seeing Black Cobra out there. Uh, I, I want updates on Quickfire, uh, three the uh, X that's Quickfire3D.com. But I want to I want updates on that, and we're actually going to have uh, the director of Quickfire on the show, aren't we? 
Yes. Yep. He's going to be on the show uh, soon, so uh, we'll get an update and get we'll get deeper into the movie with him. Uh, I thought it was more important that we talk about your journey because, again, I, I always thought it was amazing. I'm glad that we were able to get that out to um, to our listeners and the general public now because this is something that a lot of them don't know about. Well, I appreciate being on your show. I am so impressed by all you do. I was impressed back in the day when we met and you had the Karate Kids online, but this to see how you have expanded and, and just all the things that you're doing and all the people that you're able to reach out, um, I'm just in awe of, mm. of what you have done. And, well, thank you. And I couldn't be more grateful that I get the opportunity to be on the show with you. And well, well, thank you, Steph. You express know, all my uh, truths, concerns, mm. inspirations, and share with the rest of the world. Well, I think, you know, your your journey... Is, is what this show is about today, and that's the amazing part. I appreciate the, uh, the kind words, but, you know, the kind, those words, uh, they mirror how I feel towards you and everything you've been through and where you are right now. So, you know, you uh, just keep, keep moving forward and getting things done, and success will just continue to keep rolling in front of you. Just don't, I, I just want to hear... Uh, and you know, well, well, actually, it'd be a blessing if, if it happened. But you know, I just, you know, I can see. Well, maybe in five, six years, I'll see you with twelve kids, and <laughs> you'll have all types of things going on. Because every time you pop out a kid, something good happens, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right. I Steph. want to encourage moms out there. You know, I think Hollywood gives you the message that. Oh, you can't say you're married and you you can't have kids because then your career is over. I think my career just started. Yeah, just keep when just I keep. became a mom. Well, that that's fantastic. And you're right. That's when another chapter in your life uh, continued. So, but we're gonna keep up with your story and what's going on with you and the, the projects you have going on because you know again, you know you're gonna have an open door. You come on the show. I want to hear about everything uh, and what's going on with you. So we'll do that. But until then, um, we're going to wrap this up because we went over a little bit today. But, uh, yeah, we have to uh, we have to get you back on to, to go over all that stuff. Uh, Love146.org, quickfire3d.com, websites our listeners should uh, go check out. And, uh, again, Steph, I look forward to having you back on the show uh, at some point in the near future. I look forward to it, too. Thank you, Lou. Thank, Thank you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> What is your major malfunction? Oh, let it be written. So let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.